0: Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast.
1: You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Better dig deep,
0: put them in the ground. But on their hands, they're back.
1: Save
0: us all. they gonna burn it down? Save us all. Before they burn it down. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Step Fast and Law podcast. And for those of us living here in Texas, but everyone across the United States of America. This issue of border security has to be one of the preeminent issues going into this next election cycle. When you think about what has happened, five, six, seven million people have come into this country illegally. 1.5 1.7 1.5 1.7 million Godaways. people we don't know how they got across we don't know where they are but most importantly the single military age males that are coming into this country especially now we're starting to see chinese single military age males so i couldn't think of anyone better to talk about the issues that we are facing down here on the border than uh dear friend victor Avila. Victor Villa is a retired Supervisory Special Agent with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, Homeland Security Investigations under the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. ICE enforces federal laws governing border control, customs trade, and immigration to promote homeland security and public safety. Mr. Villa has been recognized by ICE and HSI for his exemplary service and professional accomplishments while serving as special agent at the El Paso field office and as an assistant attache assigned to the U.S. consulate in CU.com. Suidad, Juarez, and U.S. embassies located in Spain, Portugal, and Mexico City. Mr. Avila served as an accredited diplomat and liaison to the aforementioned governments, conducting international complex criminal investigations in a wide range of violations such as human trafficking smuggling, drug trafficking, arms trafficking, and counterterrorism. While on official assignment in Mexico, Special Agent Avila suffered multiple gunshot wounds and survived a violent ambush by the Mexican Los Zetas Drug Cartel, where Special Agent Jaime Zapata tragically lost his life. Today, Victor serves to honor the memory and dedicated service of Special Agent Zapata. Mr. Villa began his successful law enforcement career as a United States probation officer for the U.S. courts and a district parole officer for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. He holds a bachelor's of science degree in criminal justice from the University of Texas, El Paso, while focusing on the identity among Hispanic Americans along the border. Victor is an advocate for border security, immigration reform, human trafficking awareness, and the protection of our sovereignty. He has been featured on Fox News, I-24 News, Univision, OAN, Telemundo, and various radio and podcast interviews, to include this one. Special Agent Avila's book, Agent Under Fire... A Murder and a Manifesto is now available where books are sold. Victor, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Mr. for having me. Thank So
0: you. tell us about your background. I mean, what was it that got you involved in wanting to be uh, an agent with ICE?
1: A lot of it had to do in El Paso. There's a large presence Mm -hmm. of federal law enforcement, Mm -hmm. and um, I started off as a uh, uh, part of the uh, Boy Scouts was uh, serving with the El Paso Police Department as an explorer. Yeah, police explorer. I I did that as a as a teenager. That really got me exposed to police work and really to see the police officer as an individual and as a human being. I grew up. In a very uh, a strict home where uh, authority was very respected, mm-hmm. any authority—not just law enforcement, but your teacher, anyone behind a counter—you know—I uh, was taught to respect that. Yeah. But also had a little bit of fear of the police. You know, that that, that good a good old fear where you straighten up when the police officer walks Absolutely. in the room. And what I really enjoyed about. Getting to know the police officers personally, like I realize they're human beings just like all yeah. of us. They have issues just like all of us, mm-hmm. and it's such a difficult job to deal with. Because I say this a lot in other interviews that police work is actually really boring. Being a patrolman is boring work, mm-hmm. but you go from zero to about to lose your life in a blink of a second. Absolutely, in a it's blink of an eye. Decisions. Yeah, and that's what makes the job even more difficult, especially nowadays in, in the political atmosphere that we're in. And uh, so that, that, that led my interest into law enforcement, of course, federal law enforcement. I started off as a state parole officer. Mm-hmm. That got me uh, really introduced to the criminal world, mm-hmm. and that a lot of people are not aware of. You know, people think that when an individual goes to prison, they, they're gone forever. But as a matter of fact, they're not. They'll be back into your community. Yeah. Most of them will be released, and they're out there. And so a lot of bad people, gang members, mm-hmm. um, uh, sex offenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I supervised all these individuals, became a, a gang intel officer. And then I realized that my job at the state level existed at the federal law- level called the United States Probation Office to work for the U.S. courts. And I was able to do that, started in San Antonio and worked there uh learned that side of the criminal justice system mm-hmm. because a lot of people forget and even agents themselves that once you slap the cuffs on someone, it's not the end of anything. It's no. the beginning of yeah. the other part of our, our justice system. So uh, it was really advantageous to me to know that part, uh, the court system and the lawyers and all that. And then uh, because I dealt with that, I dealt a lot with the special agents, Mm -hmm. interviewing them. They're not the best writers in the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we we interviewed (laughs) and we wrote the reports for the district judge and I dealt with all of them. Uh, U.S. Customs, uh, all of them, INS back then, Secret Service, FBI, DEA, and I said, I want to do what these guys do. And so I did, and uh, I got hired as a U.S. Customs Special Agent, and then the merger happened with DHS, Mm -hmm. and that's when ICE was created. So I was one of the first ones to go to an academy Basically, it was a U.S. Customs Steel Academy, but uh, I graduated with Department of Treasury, creds, yeah. but my certificate said Immigration Th- and Customs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it was still in the making. I didn't even have an ICE badge. Mm-hmm. Um, nevertheless, uh, it was a, 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 an experience, and you obviously mentioned the shooting, but I, I worked a lot of different you, – you read some of these uh, different disciplines because HSI, now HSI, touches on anything that has a nexus to the border. Yeah. If it comes to that border, we have the uh, the jurisdiction to investigate it. So you can imagine. And, of course, we we, we immediately think drugs and humans and, mm-hmm. and illegal, uh, you know, substances. But uh, a lot of trade, customs, right. you know, mm-hmm. um, counterfeit count, cotton T-shirts, counterfeit toothpaste, mm. pharmaceuticals. Uh, sometimes that, that's another way we protect the public as well.
0: You know, when I think about, you know, one of the things that is to honor and defend the laws we have on the books. So often people say we need a new law, we need this, we need that. If we just did what is on the books to protect our sovereignty, to protect our borders, to, to have immigration control, don't you think that this whole issue would be resolved or rectified? Immediately,
1: immediately. Um, great example was just last week. We had to pass H.R. 2. Uh, the House did, at least. Yeah. Uh, it was a Border Security Act. We had to pass a law, exactly to your point, to exercise our laws or to enforce, to, law. <laughs> to enforce the other laws yeah. that we already have. And that's, that's the point that we're, we're at, and not just in uh, obviously in D.C., but it shouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, the, the laws have been there. You talk about asylum criteria. You talk mm-hmm. about immigration law. You talk about child endang- endangerment laws. We just need to enforce them. And this administration has not allowed our agents to do it. Well, that's the amazing point. You know, when
0: I hear folks say that we've inherited a bad situation, uh, you know, we're doing everything we possibly can. To me, no one at the federal level or the state level, we can talk about this, are doing what is necessary to protect the sovereignty of the United States of America.
1: It, it really is not happening either, at either level. And first of all, yes, it's the, it's the responsibility of the federal government. Yeah. Um, and the, we've been putting pressure on a lot, of myself, other colleagues, and and you know, and it's working. I mean, just today, the Biden administration uh, is putting sanctions on on uh, China and Mexico because of fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reading the articles, and I'm gonna do some news hits on it. Well, it's on a certain individuals and companies. I want sanctions on the government. Yes. Right. Things that matter. So they, they're they acknowledging and telling the people, yeah, we know what's going on, but we're going to continue to ignore the 200,000 deaths under this administration mm-hmm. for fentanyl deaths and, um, and the human trafficking. That's my subject matter expertise. And it's very frustrating not to, especially with the border agents, as I go down there a lot and talk to them, it is very demoralizing to them. I can imagine. I, I tell people, whatever you do for a living, whether you're a doctor, a banker, a teacher yeah. – You're going to continue to go to work, but you will not do the scope of your duties. Your employer will tell you to do completely the opposite of what you were trained to do. Um, Not only that, but I think a lot of the things are illegal that they're asking them to do, Mm -hmm. like uh, processing these people on the other side of the border, uh, giving them paroles when you're not supposed to, things like that. And, um, and let me tell you, it has affected, it has affected the families, the wives. Uh, it's, it's a big, big issue, uh, uh, a lot of deaths, uh, suicides oh, amongst no. our border Not- agents. So it's a rippled effect because what happens down there on the border and here in Texas, yes, it affects us tremendously. But guess what? It's affected the rest of the country already. Mm-hmm. I've been talking to you and I have been talking about mm-hmm. this for a long time. Well, it's here. Um, and then New York doesn't like it. And Chicago doesn't like it. All of a sudden, and they act like, "We didn't. Well, what happened? Where did this come from? What do you mean? You, we've been telling you, yeah. and you do know what's happening. And yet now that it's really affecting them in the pocketbook, uh, because they want more money. That's they mm-hmm. think that's going to solve it all. But the, the the solution here is enforcing our laws.
0: Well, it's interesting to me. You bring up New York and Chicago, Washington D.C., all these cities. You know. During the Trump administration where we were doing the right things for the border and the border security they were saying well we're sanctuary cities and, and if you can get through come here and we'll let you stay well now Joe Biden has taken over and you got millions to come across like we don't want you know you here <laughs> that's right. so I mean which side of this do you do you want but I gotta say I don't agree with the thing of busing people further into the interior of the United States of America because if I'm right you're aiding and abetting human trafficking
1: so I had a, a lot of mixed emotions and feelings about it when it initially happened And our governor was sending the buses. I I didn't agree with it either, because it's doing that. You're just helping them do what they're doing. And then a part of me was like, well, you know, at least it's waking them up. And at least it's forcing them not to ignore. I mean, really, really forcing them Mm -hmm. not to ignore uh, the situation and the crisis at the border, because you still have people on the left denying that there's any problem out at the border, well, of especially after Title 42 was lifted just yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and I was in El Paso when it got lifted, and all of a sudden they think, hey, oh, Title 42 got here, it got it got solved, and and no one's coming. Let me tell you right now, it's worse. Yeah. And Let me tell you why it's worse. Why? Because now they're doing it covertly. They're mm-hmm. doing it under the cover of darkness. Mm-hmm. They're not not they're not being transparent at all. And that's even scarier because the numbers don't match anymore. They're not counting them as illegal because they're coming in.
0: Yeah, they get this parole. This parole. And
1: so they're legal. And so the numbers immediately, immediately within a week and dropped significantly. Not because the people stopped coming.
0: Yeah.
1: It's because they stopped counting. They reclassified. We don't count the numbers. And so therefore the problem is over. It's dangerous. This is a national security and public safety issue.
0: Well, if you go back to the old peanuts thing, it is, you know, moving the—not loosely moving the ball. You're moving the goalposts. And show me in the Constitution where it says that the president of the United States of America has an enumerated power to be able to grant a parole to people that are trying to come here illegally when they're outside of the country. That's the most insidious thing that I've ever heard.
1: The first time I saw that happen was several months ago down Eagle Pass. Uh I could not— believe my eyes what i was watching as people were coming across already with that yellow envelope yeah yeah the ones that the ngos give them on the u.s side i'm like what's going on they were walking through incredible cbp pedestrian lane at a port of entry all good to go and i'm like this is not right i i knew because i had the authority as a special agent to issue parole very few people as a matter of fact the biden administration got caught they were having border patrol issue paroles and border patrol has never had the authority to issue a parole cbp at a port of entry mm-hmm. has the authority and so they got caught and so what all they did was divert the people and said go through a blue uniform person yeah and we're going to give them to you there that's against the law yeah. You cannot give a parole is issued on a, a very strict basis. Usually, it's an extreme humanitarian cause, which I gave usually for a funeral or someone is about mm-hmm. to die, mm-hmm. and and really second it was for a confidential informant. That's really all I used them for, and you cannot just give them because you want to come in claiming asylum. That you cannot circumvent the yeah. asylum laws with the parole laws. Yeah, and that's what they're doing.
0: Well, let me tell you something. When I look at all of these single military aged males yes. that come across, they're not coming across because they doggone asylum no you know these are healthy strong scrapping guys they should be if if they're having problems in their country stay in your country and and fight for a better way of life but they're coming across but I want you to reiterate to the audience once again what the Biden administration is doing with NGOs on the south side of the border that are giving paroles and giving people these these permissos yes so that they can just walk right in, and, and therefore, that's why they're not counting them as illegals anymore.
1: And the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations, are the big issue here Yeah, uh, on both sides of the border. As a matter of fact, all the way down to the Darien Gap in South oh, America. Isn't it incredible? They're there. I think, uh, not all of them, right, because there's a couple of good NGOs that are trying to do good, and they get mixed in with the bad ones. Most of them right now are out for the money. It is. Uh, I think they're extension of the cartel. Really, they have uh, They're to be. they're the organizers and movers yeah. and the logistic makers for yeah. the people. Yeah. Um. They're really the ones that put you on an airplane on a bus into the further into the country. Without their help, they wouldn't be able to do it. The government wouldn't be able to do it. But you have these NGOs and you have these groups that I've seen them in El Paso, Eagle Pass, Del Rio, mm-hmm. all the way to Brownsville. And they have carte blanche when you're when they're down there. They have access to the facilities. Mm-hmm. I, can, I don't have access. You mm-hmm. don't have access. Mm-hmm. I try. And tried. I'm an American citizen. And, yeah, and I've gotten kicked out of some of these facilities. Um, but if you're an NGO, you have access to the aliens. Uh, sometimes I, they wouldn't even give me access to talk to them. And I'm like, I'm just an American trying to get some information, see what's going on. Yeah. But they don't like that because uh, the NGOs control it. They're the, the movers of it, and I would love to see some kind of legislation to take that authority away from well,
0: them. Well, you don't even need the legislation. I mean, all you have to do is revoke their 501c3 right. because they have to ask for permission to operate within a state. And if they continue to do so, then you arrest them because you don't have the, the privilege to operate in a state. And so when we talk about these NGOs, which are taxpayer-funded, many uh, of them. We are. Yeah. So... They are really, in essence, like you say, the travel agencies, and they have to be working in cahoots with the cartels because nothing is happening down in that border operational zone. Unless it has the the approval of the cartel. So, with that being said, how many different cartels are we talking about operating along our border?
1: So, uh, a great question because um, I want people to understand that cartels are these sophisticated networks, criminal networks. They're yeah. not drug gangs. I don't call them drugs. They're insurgents. I don't. Right? I don't. Yes, I don't call them uh, drug trafficking organizations. Yeah. We call them DTOs for a long time. Yeah. yeah. They're no longer that. These guys are involved in the human trade as well yeah, as as yeah. as well as the, the fentanyl and the drugs and the avocado trade and the lime mm-hmm. trade and the petroleum. Uh, they're into they're a lot diversified. of things. They're diversified, and they're making billions of dollars. And these organizations, so you have, I and mean, this is a comparison that I did the other day. I don't know if it's a good one or not, but think of the Department of Homeland Security. You have all these agencies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, they they're all under the umbrella. Same thing. Sinaloa cartel, probably the most powerful one in the world right now, has all these fa- factions underneath it by different names but they're all Sinaloa cartel mm-hmm. same thing for cartel Jalisco New generation los Zetas are mm-hmm. now CDN cartel del noreste or the no- cartel of North- Northeast and then you have the Gulf cartel so you have these five main big cartels and then you have all these smaller smaller ones that are enforcers uh, and, and, all, and I mean very very well um, uh, or orchestrated and organized just like Amazon I like, compare them to Amazon mm-hmm. Uh, distribution centers all over the world making billions of dollars intel like you wouldn't believe better Intel than 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 the u.s and yes they're the movers uh just uh, when title 42 was lifted uh you saw the state actually repel some down in born brownsville like what's going on what they're doing what i wanted them to do the the dps troopers and and uh and some of the uh, uh our soldiers were actually not letting them come up from the river but I was in El Paso, and I said, "Well, why aren't they doing it here too? Mm-hmm. It's the same state. It's mm-hmm. the same border. Mm-hmm. Why only there? Eh, maybe it was a video op, right?" Well, the cartel said, "It's okay. We're gonna bring them and move them, and we'll bring them through uh, where which had slowed down Del Rio. It's picking up again. Yep. Um, uh, Eagle Pass. Well, we will just put them in the cartel. Is gonna move and 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 they're they're very fluid, and mm-hmm. they actually will do it. Sometimes uh, they were a little surprised and caught off guard that." This was happening, but they said, no worries. We'll just put you through another part, but they weren't being repelled in Eagle Pass. It's a whack-a-mole. Yeah, so we'll just yeah. move them this way and that way, and, and, and it continues this way. I mean, you are talking about the invasion. I know people use that term a lot. It, it, it's beyond that. Yeah. It's beyond that because my, my concern is the public safety of this country, yeah. of this state, the national security, the bigger implications. And we're talking about China. We're talking about Venezuela. Yeah. We're talking about Cuba that are... Islamic jihadists. And, of course, terrorism that are in Mexico. I, gosh, I interviewed these guys when I worked there. And this was years ago. Now they've set up shop there. Mm-hmm. They've lived there. They've been patient. And now with this open uh, border policy, not law, mm-hmm. policy by this mm-hmm. administration, they're coming in. And we already interdicted like close to 200 uh, possible terrorists on the no watch list, on the terror watch list, and the no fly list that we know about. Yeah, that's just in the last two years that we know about. And these are this is a whole different category. These are people that we know their their intentions yeah. are to come here and cause us harm. But why do we have to wait? Obviously, the fentanyl is not enough for the government as a wake up call. Why do we have to wait for more death to occur? Uh, I talk a lot about the death that's occurring. On both, not just U.S. citizens, but the migrants themselves. Yes. And the rapes. Rapes, drownings, uh, hangings. A lot of them that you don't hear about hang themselves and mm-hmm. commit suicide because they're disoriented. They're about to die. I've seen uh, bodies that were cooked by the sun down in the oh, desert. Oh, yeah. It's horrible.
0: Yeah.
1: The rollovers, the the smuggling, and they don't want to yeah. stop for the DPS troopers. And there's crashes and people yeah. flying, killing Americans as well. Yeah. What, else, what more examples do you need and want to say this is not right and we need to stop it?
0: Well, I, it's their policy.
1: And, and so these people are
0: losing their lives. They are minuscule to them. They're irrelevant to them as long as they can continue with this open border policy, which is unconstitutional. And it's not just the, the drug trafficking, the human trafficking, the sex trafficking, the child exploitation, all of this tied together. But coming back to talk about the cartels, You know, they're fighting for territory because they see how lucrative this business is. I believe they're fighting for territory and operational control on our side
1: of the board as well. uh, That's uh, 100% true. Um, Yes, they're headquartered in Mexico, but they're present, heavily present even more now, all over the U.S. Mm -hmm. They live here. They're overseeing the humans. They're overseeing their, their drugs. Um, now you're seeing a lot of smuggling turn into trafficking and indentured servitude type of mm-hmm. situations. I even talked to some aliens where they owed them money, the, yes. the whole 8500 that they, they owed to the cartel from Nicaragua, and they're going to Minneapolis. And I said, how are you going to pay them back? Well, I owe them $1,000 a month. They're on a, on a monthly payment, but it's $1,000 a month, and I might tell this 24-year-old kid, how are you going to pay them? He says, I don't know. When I get there, I have I have a month. The first month is 1000 due. And if I'm late, it's a $300 penalty. I said, "What well, we, we ignore the cartel. Don't pay them. No, they'll kill my parents yeah. and take the house. They're dead. And so um, even this 24-year-old kid that might not have any criminal history. You're going to turn them into a criminal. What is he going to do? Whatever yeah. he'll do to yeah. save his family. That means they'll enroll him into a community college to push the meth, to push the fentanyl, and sell those pills at the clubs. And they'll use them. Or forced labor, or the sex trade for the women. Yeah, They have no choice now. They're indentured servitude to the cartels. They have an ultimate power on both sides of the border. Now, in Mexico, they're running a parallel government. There's yeah. no doubt yeah. about it. The, the Mexican uh, uh, president down there is just, well, he's a socialist, communist guy. He's just... Um, Obr- different. Ideas. Obrador. Obrador. Uh, yeah. Andres Manuel López Obrador. Uh, I don't know who's sleepier, him or Joe Biden, but... <laughs> he, he he really speaks two, two or three words a minute and it's very frustrating I watch these uh, yeah. I watch them in Spanish and to see what he says and sometimes I mean he denied just a few weeks ago that the cartels even produce fentanyl or the the or the, the pill mills in Mexico. I said, "What are you talking about?" Then a week later, said, "I'm going to send a letter to China to stop sending the, the precursors." You see, I, I worked in Mexico, and a lot of times when the guns went down there for Fast and Furious, they were part of us shooting yeah. um, the fentanyl coming in. Everybody seems to think, well, you know, Mexico—they have a sovereign government. They they throw their sovereignty in our face all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why isn't I never heard of a big seizure of fentanyl down in the Port of Veracruz No why I never seen a big seizure of arms they took down 7,000 firearms and confiscated I never hear that because it doesn't happen because it's corrupt because it's bought for right mm-hmm. and so that's why it's a free-for-all for all illicit businesses they love it and then in the middle of all that we have legitimate trade yeah. which I think at this point we have to impose sanctions. Not just uh, tariffs, like President Trump, uh, you mm-hmm. know, said he was going to do. I'm talking about full-blown sanctions yes, on the governments. Sense. It's going to hurt. It hurts trade. It will hurt the, the country. But listen, we got to protect ourselves. Yeah, we're at a point where we must do something drastic here and disrupt what is happening because there's just too much death here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the the people I talk all about is the victims of. You know the angel moms that sure. have lost their loved ones at the hands of an illegal alien. I think those are one hundred percent preventable crimes. Yeah. We have enough crime in the United States. A lot of it that's uncontrolled in a lot of these uh, cities and states. Um, uh, this revolving door that we have now, where these—I just read one this morning in California. You know, the guy gets let, let out and kills again. I mean, th- these type of oh, thing, they're, the rate is, of recidivism. This is this is what yeah. we're dealing with, yeah. and and so to have people from. Uh, 150 different countries come and do the same. Now, I know not all of them. I'm the first one to tell you. I know not all of them are coming here to commit crimes, but one for me is too many. One rapist is too many. Another drug trafficker is one too many that we already have.
0: Well, look at what just happened in San Jacinto County where the family of five lost their lives because of a man that had been deported five times. Now, how is a guy that's here illegally, been deported five times, able to get a firearm? You know, just that's just a blinding flash of the obvious. So now let's let's transition and let's talk about because you're running for Congress, yes sir, down there along the border, uh, congressional district twenty three. What are your three or four top solutions for border security? in the
1: United States? Well, we, we, we talked about one of them already. And, yes, uh, border security is my, my number one priority. But I'm also in tune with what the district needs. They need rural health care. Yeah. Uh, the economy is obviously a big one that uh, that I, I bring my conservative values. Mm-hmm. Um, look at what's happening right now with the debt ceiling. It, it's um, We need people that are not afraid to stand up in Washington. I'm not afraid of them. I lost my fear um, on February 15, 2011. I fear God and my dad. Yeah, and getting shot is very liberating. Yeah, it it really does. They don't scare me. I really want to put the power back Mm -hmm. and give the power back to the people. It might sound fundamental, but I think we need to go back to that. We need to go back to fundamentals where we really follow our Constitution. Mm -hmm. uh, Let the people speak and be heard. I want to be the voice. I want to be the extension of that community in the halls of of D.C. um, and Congress. So border security, obviously, is number one. And how do you solve that? To me, it's just incredible that we have to pass these laws that we talked about to enforce uh, what, what has always been uh, in the books. Yeah. But we have to continue. And I think personnel is a big—I mean, one of the things that I heard that the Republicans were going to do is impeach Mayorkas. I'm still waiting. Why, the man has, 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 talk about dereliction of duty, yeah, right? Yeah, we
0: can impeach the Attorney General of the state of <laughs> right. Texas. They right, they did if that can, quick. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> quick, real quick, yeah.
1: but not, not the man responsible uh, under the direction of Biden to do what he's doing. And, and of course, the, the lying to the American people, sure. to our face, uh, the realities that we're seeing, I, you know, my lying eyes are not telling yeah. me something else. Um, and so I think a, a change in personnel, I even put some of these solutions in the book. I would love to see a surge. Uh, and I'm not talking about people talk, well, we need more border agents. and we need more. I always welcome more. That more is great. Yeah. We have enough Just to do. deal with it. Um, I'm telling you what, I'll leave skeleton crews in Washington, D.C., and I'll bring every border agent, mm-hmm. and I'll bring ICE agents and HSI agents mm-hmm. on the border for a minimum of 18 months to two years, and you're going to secure the border. We can do both. We could have trade. Be, be, and, and, and there's two different things. Immigration and border security, if you think about it, are very separate. One really has nothing to do with the other because what, whatever we do with immigration and illegal immigration, we still have to have border security. Yes. We still have to have that. We still have to defend our, our country, our sovereignty, our state. Uh, I know how to do that. And so I, wanna, I would do a surge. Let's, let's bring a surge of them. We, we have did 20, it in Iraq. We did it in Iraq, and it worked.
0: That's, that's what I'm saying. This is military 101, and I think that that's where a lot of people fail to understand is this is an insurgency we're fighting. You just detail how well-trained, organized, and resourced and in their intelligence apparatus of the enemy that we're facing. The, we wouldn't have the Taliban on our border, but doggone, that's basically what we have here. Well,
1: when's the last time you heard of ISIS kill 100,000 Americans? They haven't. My point. But the cartels have. They have. And they continue to. And six out of every ten pills in this country is a counterfeit pill. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Mm-hmm. That's scary. For, I have an 18-year-old son. And let me tell you, I tell him, don't you dare. Yeah. Don't you dare. Yeah, I don't care what the situation is, wherever you're at. He's off to college. And it's life or death now. Yeah. It's not in the 1960s or 70s. Even when, with marijuana, it's laced and all these drugs. That's why we see the death that we see. So uh, because I think doing that with the border, it's a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. You'll improve the economies along the border. Mm-hmm. You'll help the ranchers that have been abandoned. Yes. Oh, my goodness, the ranchers. I talk yes. to them so much, and they feel abandoned, um, especially in this District 23. Um, these are the people, their livelihoods, first of all, they help feed us. Yep. They help do, uh, you talk about the economy, uh, they have been abandoned. When they, People hear, well, their fences are cut. You see, a, fence, a cut fence for a rancher is their livelihood. Absolutely, because the livestock get away. Gone, sometimes they get into the highways, mm-hmm. they'll kill somebody. There's all these uh, yeah. consequences to that. Mm-hmm. Plus, it costs a lot of money because they continue to do it over and over yeah. and over. Plus, the actual traffic of illegal aliens coming through mm-hmm. their cartel members patrolling on their ranches on the Texas side and they tell me Victor we have guns we're not going to shoot this guy and kill him and have the wrath of the cartel coming which and has take- already happened already happened not
0: just you know the wrath mm-hmm. of cartels but you got a guy in Arizona that charges were brought up against him for you know a a, a coyote right. armed
1: being on his property and it, and it, and that's why they see these consequences. they're like they're going to send put me in jail yeah. and so um, I think we need to fix that. I think fixing the border would help me uh, and the constituents there of CD23 really improve their quality of lives. Just public safety. You know, Colonel, that public safety at any level is a number one priority or should be of the government. If you're not safe and feel safe in your own home, then everything else kind of goes out the window, right? And, I mean, they tell me stories in Del Rio where their 11-year-old little girl used to ride her bike to the bus stop. Can't do it. Not anymore. There's a group of five on a, uh, uh, military military age males standing there yeah. from who knows where. And uh, let me tell you, last time I was in El Paso, I didn't see a Mexican national or a Central American. They were all from South America, mm. Africa, Asia, the mm. Chinese, uh, Europe. And I'm like, where the well, the Mexicans in the Central America are being smuggled because they get returned. They'll, they'll return those. And, by the way, you'll see the Biden administration do these propaganda videos where... Look, we're filling up an airplane full of, uh, uh, you know, illegals. Yeah, you're deporting 2,000, yeah. 5,000, but there's 900,000 coming yeah. in, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so that's the part they won't tell you. And so um, uh, the economy, I think uh, we need to bring a lot of principles back. Uh, God, you know, I, I, I'm i a man of faith. Uh, I'm here by the grace of yes. God. And so uh, I think we need to incorporate that into our daily lives. I'm not a, I'm not afraid of uh, or ashamed of being a conservative or a Christian. Yeah. Um, I think we need more more of that, and that has to do with uh, family mm-hmm. uh, and try to fix some of these fatherless home problems. You know, in my in in my experience as a law enforcement agent, people ask me, "What did you see most?" It, it, that that you noticed throughout your career, it was the fatherless homes and drugs. Yeah, I mean those the combination of those two things, yep. the statistics go off the chart. The bad ones, yeah, right? Crime, no education, poverty, and there's this cycle over and over. I want to disrupt that cycle. I want to have people to have the opportunity to go to school, have a good education, and not the illegal alien that gets free uh, in state in state tuition. It's incredible, but. Give the opportunity to our U.S. citizens. Give them the opportunity mm-hmm. for the jobs, the 1B visa programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about our recent graduates from our college? I mean, they're, they're in debt up to wazoo, and they come out, and they can't get a job. Yeah, And so all of that. I'm, I'm very much in tune with that, but I think it starts with securing our border. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, then it's very hard to deal with the internal problems. Yeah, that's the basic. You know, a lot of people tell me, well, you know, Mexico is the first one to say, and they said it to me every time when I spoke publicly in, in Mexico, well, uh, you, the United States is the number one consumer of the drugs. I understand. I know. I know the statistics. But I choose to tackle the, the supply Absolutely. so I can then deal with the demand. demand. If I can't, I can't deal with the demand over here and try to rehabilitate it, if it continues to pour in. Yes. And one of the things you see right now is a high number of seizures of fentanyl. And the Biden administration is like cheering it on, and this is great. Of course, I celebrate the seizures, but let me tell you, in my experience—that's not a good thing. When we were when I, I started narcotics uh, as a narcotics agent, and when we were when we see these high number of seizures, we knew we were getting our butts handed to us. Oh yeah, we knew we knew we were not doing our job. One thousand two hundred
0: fifty uh, uh, miles aboard, is getting across,
1: and then we're like, oh my goodness, when the seizures start coming down, we knew we were having a little containment, and that was a good thing. The high number of seizures is not a good indicator that you're doing a good job.
0: I'm going to ask a hard question to see where you are, because as a military guy, I've deployed to other countries to protect, you know, the borders of, of other nations. We see what we're doing, spending, you know, tens of billions of dollars in Ukraine. Are we going to have to finally go on offense physically against the cartels at some point in time?
1: Uh, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I, I like to see the transition from because I saw it happen under the Trump administration. It took it took a little bit of a threat, really, um, uh, for the not sanctions, but uh, President Trump said, "I'm gonna you know start putting some tariffs, 25% tariffs. Uh, I'm gonna designate the cartels as foreign terrorist organizations." And Mexico immediately said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait a minute! You know that's gonna hurt a lot, hurt us a lot." I'm beyond that. I, I want to ask them. I want to go to Mexico. And the incumbent uh, this district went over there and for some reason talked about water rights. <laughs> I don't care about water rights. I care about the safety uh, of our Americans. And my concern is the, the cartels. Yeah. But they, they ignore the elephant in the room, and they don't want to bring it up. Mexico never wants to bring it up. I want to address it. I want to give them the opportunity diplomatically to do it. I was a diplomat. I know how to talk to them. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. But if not, we're going to have to resort because Mexico, just in the last f- couple of months, the FTO, the, the designation of mm-hmm. foreign terrorist organizations was getting some traction and, and you know, there was, it was uh, out there. And Mexico immediately said, we're a sovereign country. We would never permit the United States to come in here and, well, it's going to get to a point where we're not going to ask anymore. Yeah. Kind of Colombia style. you know, yeah. Colombia back then in the 80s and 90s, they said no initially. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of figured, well. We're not, we don't have a choice here anymore, yeah. and let's just let them in. Uh, we have the capabilities. There's no question about that. But we just have to have... Uh, Are the Americans recognize, I'm still educating people around the country Mm -hmm. that they really don't know because the media won't report it accurately. They'll they'll, they'll report some other aspect of it. Uh, Telemundo and and, and Univision will give you the the sob story of the the poor migrant, you know, but they don't give you all the other ripple effects that happens. Um, But it's on the table for me. Absolutely. We would have to then go in there and disseminate these cartels because, um, and I'm talking about the labs I'm talking about taking them Um, the designation. And there's a big controversy with the designation. I'm for the designation. Uh, Some of our our legislators think that by designating them as FTOs, that would give the Mexican citizen uh, the asylum seeker uh credible fear to come in i i, I disagree with it No, it i think that uh it's, it's not the government persecuting you yeah. it's still the cartel yeah which the cartel is not the government and so uh that's my argument but um but we need the designation because what it does is it freezes and 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 we get to uh take all these assets from that's the cartel the, key. the money the money the bank accounts the the, the houses the, the cars, houses everything. everything that's where we start the the ideology of the cartels is power and money. Yeah. So it might not be like ISIS, but death is death. You know, people think, well, they're not they're not ideologically you know against our government for religious purpose or whatever. Um, they're
0: still against our government.
1: They're still hurting us. Yeah. They're still killing us with pills, maybe yeah. not bullets, but pills. And and what's the difference to, to me is they're actually more of an imminent threat because they're right here. They're actually here. Yeah. And we know that they're here. They work with the gangs in Chicago. They work with all these guys. And what happens with the designation? Well, eventually, all these people that work with the cartels, these all these gangbangers that we they're have. aiding and a We get to pick you up because you're now associating with a terrorist. That's right. And I think that eventually the, car, the, the gang members here will be like, wait a minute. I don't want to be associated with any uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, terrorist organization. And so... You break them up. You dismantle them. Yes. That's, that's the big picture here. And I'm ready to do it. Well, I will tell you that we did not
0: ask Pakistan for permission. That's right. To go after <laughs> Osama bin Laden. Uh, we did it, and I think that that time is coming. I don't believe it's going to happen under this administration, mm-hmm. but we definitely have to protect the sovereignty and the security of America and American citizens. Victor Avila, where can people follow you out there? How can people follow and support your congressional campaign?
1: Please visit VictorAvilaForCongress.com, VictorAvilaForCongress.com. For uh, your contributions obviously uh, matter a lot. You know how this is. Um, I do. Uh, I have to raise this amount of money to get this job, but that's the way the system is set up. Uh, please look me up. Uh, if you Google me, uh, read the story. You can go to fire yeah, fire, firebook.com yep. and read about me. I, I, I welcome people to vet me. I wish we had the ability to vet the millions of people coming in, which we're not, by the way. Oh, of course No one's not. getting vetted. Uh, but it's important to vet your candidates. It's important to, to see where they stand, uh, not just politically, but I think personally at this point. Yeah. I think you need to look at, I, I want to bring something called integrity. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I'm going to bring it back to, to these positions. They've lost it, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, to me, it's easy. It's, it's honesty. It's integrity. It's working for the people. Character. 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 And folks know that the
0: primary here in the state of Texas will be the first Tuesday of next March. So we're kind of getting close. I know everybody is thinking about summer vacation, what have you. But it won't be long before we'll have to make the selection of who we want to be on the team here in the state of Texas. Good, strong Christian constitutional conservatives who have served their country. And, you know, remember we thought about Memorial Day. And we thought about those who gave their lives. Victor's partner gave his life for this country. Victor almost gave his life for this country. And I think if we had more men and women who understood laying down their lives for this country, being willing to make the last four measures of devotion for this country, we will not see ourselves in the position that we're in. So I fully support you in what you're doing and your run for Congress Thank down you. there Appreciate in District it. 23. And anytime you want to come back on the Steadfast and Law podcast to get your message out, you're more than welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you, Victor. Thank you all so much for joining us on the Fast and Law podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Special thanks to Victor Avila for taking time out of a very busy schedule to be with us. And as always, please click the like button if you like this podcast and what you are seeing and hearing and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down